Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, coming at you live with the one and only Puma King from Merrimack, New Hampshire. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Watch out, Joe Exotic. I'm I'm coming for that title. Uh, So... First thing everyone's going to notice is there's no intro music, and that's because uh, we're doing this social distance thing now. Uh, so we're we're recording remotely. Uh, first time ever in PFR history we're doing this. So just bear with us if we have any kinks. Uh, we're working through some of the stuff. But excited to get this uh, this podcast out to you guys. And by working remotely, we are in our own, obviously, places uh... – I am co- coming to you from my car because oh. I feel as if if I'm, in my, if I'm inside my car, the acoustics will be much better than being inside my room, which is a kind of a weird, uh, oddly <laughs> shaped room. There's not much carpeting, so it would be all kinds of echoing and stuff. So right now I'm just sitting in my car with some headphones on, recording a podcast. Think about that right now. It's 2020, baby. <laughs> Here we go. I mean, basically everybody on ESPN on FS1, they're doing it like this as well. So like the only difference is They've got major companies backing them, right? That's all. Right, right. <laughs> we have uh, we have the owl shop for free. Oh, we it's do great. have the owl shop. <laughs> oh my God, Brent! I tell you what, man, I'm starting to get to a point now where um, it's trying to get hard, man. It's trying to get real hard. This whole quarantining slash social distancing thing. I'm just not a big fan of it, bro. Right, right. Well, it's better than the alternative. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be uh, you know, dying or put on being put on a ventilator. So. Just got to gotta make the best of what we can do. At least we can give the people what they want, give them a podcast. I'm excited. I was uh, I was feeling a little itchy earlier this week. So it's uh, it's good to, to be back in the saddle. So. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Now, this is podcast number 50. 50. The big five zero, huh? Yes, sir. 50. Mock draft 1.0. Crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Trump mm-hmm. holding uh, conference calls today. Who knows? Yeah, well, I saw that conference call came out. The uh, looks like Adam Schefter and a lot of the NFL reporters were tweeting that, you know, he wants the NFL to go on as planned in August and September. But then again, what he wants and what's going to pan out is going to be two completely different things. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking too. I mean, yeah, any anyone trying to put a timetable on, you know, when we're going to be back in business uh, is it's really just guessing blindly at this point. Uh, the uh-huh. NFL. They had their own little conference call uh, with, you know, uh, a couple of their higher ups with some of the pool reporters of, you know, Sports Illustrated and whatnot. And I mean, they they're still sounding like they're going to try to go ahead as planned uh, in September. I'm I'm not holding my breath. I mean, I want them to be back on time, but when you look at events like the British Open canceling and you know the U.S. Opens canceling, Wimbledon canceled. I mean, they're canceling three months out for an event that's supposed to be held in July. So, I mean, come June, I would be a little bit more interested to see if the NFL changes their tune and starts saying if they have backup plans in place because I I, I like their optimism, but that's really all it is, is cautious optimism at this point of trying to kick off in time for September. Well, the way I see it, in some way or format, the NFL is going to go on, whether it's with, you know, uh, no people in the stadiums, just the, the players themselves. I, I, I do believe by the time that August, September rolls around, uh, we're going to get to a point where testing is going to be so quick. It's going to be, a, I mean, there's already, a, there's already a testing kit out now that takes five minutes max. And I think by the time that 
uh, September rolls around, we'll have a really good uh, handle of uh, testing. So that's going to be big, right? So a player shows up for the game. They'll test them immediately. You know, by the time he walks in to the time he steps in the football field, you'll have a good understanding if that player can play or not. Um, and from there on, it's simply a matter of not having people in the stadiums. And that's the way I see around this. Right. And then, like, the, the other aspect of things that I was looking at, and granted, it's a, it's a moving target. The, the CDC is doing the best they can with what they have at the moment. But, I mean, they don't want anyone, any groups of more than 250 people. I mean, if, if you have a 53 and a 55-man roster, depending on how I, – I forget what the new CBA language is. I think they expanded the rosters. There's 100 people right there, and that's not even getting to coaching staff, medical staff, uh, and other other people. When you start factoring in those those people for both teams, you're getting close to that 200, 250-person mark. So, hey, again, if they can – if but everything if, goes according to plan, who knows? But, I mean, if they're going to go without fans, are they going to have to start limiting who actually is on the sideline for games? And, if you know, are they going to start cutting out training staff? Because then that could, ha- that could have an effect of in-game injuries too. Yeah, but what if all those people that are on the sidelines and, you know, actually playing a game, let's say it's 250 people, but if all those people were tested and they're put on the field, then don't you think that would be a good way of doing this? I mean, if you're going to sequester them for 16 weeks, they can't go anywhere. They're just going to stay in a, like that team buys out a hotel and they don't go anywhere. I mean, that it, this thing is like wildfire. I mean, you could just be sitting across from somebody at a restaurant and then next thing you know, four people come down with this COVID-19 stuff. So, I mean, unless they're going to treat this like the OJ Simpson trial and everybody's sequestered, I don't. It's going to be interesting how they work the logistics of things if they still want to kick off on time. I'll tell you about Puma. If we get around to the fall and there's no football, there's going to be no JT might as well. I'm just going to walk into a lake and never walk back out. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I already have my mind like in the mindset that there's not going to be sports in 2020. And like, and that's, that's like the worst case scenario. So if that doesn't happen, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I want sports. It, it's, you know, ESPN is turning into like uh, you know esports, uh, you know a, 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 twi- a Twitch thing on, on cable. I, I like watching the Madden matchups, but I want to see the real live thing. But with all these events canceling months out in advance, I'm I am not really expecting sports anytime soon in 2020. That's unfortunate. Now listen, in these tough times, Brandon, there's only one man that can get us through this. One Joe Exotic, right? Yes. For all you people out there that have not watched Tired King, if it wasn't for Joe Exotic and Tired King, there'd be a good chance I wouldn't be able to function on a daily basis through this quarantine, right? Uh, (laughs) If I told you there was a show that had, you know, tigers and, you know, mullets and shitty tattoos and amputations and murder. Multiple husbands. Polygamy. Polygamy. uh, Fucking, what what else is there? An FBI investigation. You would think I'm lying, right? But listen, this fucking show, Tiger King, is some of the most crazy shit that I've ever seen, bro. I know you watched it as well. We watched quite a bit of episodes together. What are your initial thoughts on that show, man? At, at first, at first, when you look at the, the Tiger King preview photo on Netflix, it, it looks like the dude that plays that pitcher in Eastbound and Down. I forget what it is. I think it's Danny McBride. I think that's the actor's name. It yeah. looked like him. So I thought it was, all right, this has to be like a, like a spoof. This has to be fake. Like, this is just a Netflix special. But this is real life. Like, Joe Exotic did 
own a, a exotic, like a tiger, tiger land zoo kind of deal. Per, one lady got her, her arm mauled off and said, cut it off. I want to go back to work. I don't want to cost Joe exotic any money. He runs for, he runs for governor. It's just every episode when you think you've hit like the rock bottom of craziness, it just, nope, we're going to dig 10 times, 10 more feet deeper. You're going to be, you know, shocked and awed with the, the stupidity and craziness that's coming out of Oklahoma and Florida and people getting murdered. And well, just... the funny thing is, Brennan, it's called Tiger King, but Tigers is maybe 10% of the show. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, there's so much other shit that happens around these people where, you know, like Joe Exotic himself, the, the, the crux of the show is Joe Exotic has this, you know, this fucking enemy in Carol Baskin, who is a complete piece of work, right? Carol Baskin, the memes are out there. I'm convinced this bitch fucking killed her husband and fed him to the fucking... Uh, She's the white OJ. Right? Let's just call it for what it is. She's Listen, the I'll... white OJ Simpson. <laughs> and, and, and then Joe Exotic, who's the other guy, you know, a guy who's just super talented and somebody that I analyze now. You know, the guy's a, a zoo director. He's a fucking country music singer. He's a... He ran for president. He ran for governor. He has his own live TV show. Like, how many talents can, can one man possess, right? I mean, I'm sitting over here jealous of this guy's talents. Um, and the uh, final thing I'll say about Joe Exotic is, if here Kitty Kitty doesn't win a Grammy, that shit is rigged, bro. That shit's rigged. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If it's you know what? I take that back. With what music is like in 2020, all bets are oh, off. Uh, Who uh, knows? Uh, uh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is, I was thinking about this the other day, right? The all-time top five diss tracks in the history of music are number five, Who Shot Ya by, by Big, right? Number four, Either by Nas. Number three, Hit Em Up by Tupac. Number two, No Vaseline by Ice Cube. And number one, Here Kitty Kitty by Joe Exotic is the number one all-time diss track via Joe Exotic. Okay? Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed that you put... And you, you mentioned no Vaseline because if you didn't mention no Vaseline, I was about to hang up like that. No, no, trust me, trust me. Like before, I heard here, Kitty, Kitty. No Vaseline was the number one. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I, dude, I when no I heard here, Kitty, Kitty, button. and I saw that video, I was like, it's over. I'm sorry, Ice Cube, it's over. See, th that's the thing is, I think the video makes it the number one diss track. If you didn't have the music video and you just listened to the track, I would have no Vaseline ahead at number one. But when you look at the music video of like the mannequin head with like steak and like this fake Carol Baskin is like feeding the tiger, like the parts of the ex-husband, that's what that right there is what makes the, uh, the, the song, the number one diss track. I remember sitting here watching, thinking to myself, this shit's literally burning my eyes right now, but I cannot look away. Oh, dude, it was, a, it was a car wreck on the 405. Like, you couldn't you couldn't turn away. Like, when you want to look away, you want to change that channel, but then you just like, but I want to see what happens next. Like, who's going to die next? Like, that's what I was waiting for. I mean, I well, thought... there's got to be season two, right? Like, there's got to be season two, right? There has to be. It's such I mean, a massive success. There's got to be some sort of, you know, season well, like, two coming what, along the way. What season twos are going to be? I mean, he's... I mean, they, they left it off at, as him starting to sing like a canary, burying everybody, the Doc Doc Antle and then yep. these other people that are involved. And, I mean, I guess uh, the Carol Baskin case, it was already a cold case. Uh, it, it was never really closed, to my understanding. But I think Tampa is actually, you correct me if I'm wrong, Tampa is actually going back and looking at that case 
with a fresh set of eyes and seeing if there's anything yeah. else going on. So well, there- I sent you uh, I sent you an entire this YouTube video today where there was a sheriff from the Tampa Police Department on on with an ABC news anchor, and they're talking about how there's an influx of new leads coming in. They've kind of reopened the case. They're kind of looking at this all over again. So Kyle Baskins, listen up. You might give the term crazy cat lady a whole new meaning, but you will not get away. Justice will be served for Don Lewis, okay? Now, can we just talk about how everybody's running with this Tiger King thing? Like, he had Gardner Minshew do Jaguar King. I put that up on, on our social media platforms. I thought that was great. And then throughout the week, you had all these NFL teams starting their morning off with, what's up, all you cool cats and kids? Like, the Redskins were involved. <laughs> the Panthers were involved. All these other teams were getting in on it. And it's just, it's insane that, like, this is a true story, and it's so messed up on 10 different levels, but, like, the NFL teams are completely running with it as well. well. I well, think it's great. That's the beauty of the show is I don't think Hollywood can make this up. Like, if, if a writer sat down somewhere in L.A. and he wanted to write out a story, he couldn't think of this bizarre shit, you know? Right. No, are, are you kidding me? A, a, a gay zoo owner with <laughs> that aren't gay in the first place with... <laughs> With Carol Baskin, who's like a hypocrite and started her business off by breeding cats and now is all of a sudden saying, well, we don't want to keep cats in cages, but you have cats in cages. You have this Doc Antle guy riding around on an elephant like it's the Jungle Book and he's Mowgli with all like these sex slaves hanging out over there getting paid $100 a day living in a shack. I mean – I saw this meme today, and it's so true. The only air quote normal character on Tiger King was the former Coke dealer that was also a zoo person. Like, yep. that's it. That's the only normal person on the entire show. Why? So, two things. Uh, this is the two things that I kind of walked away from. Um, number one, you remember that part where they were alluding to the fact that they used some of the like Walmart meat for the pizzas? Oh, yeah. I wonder if that was any good. Like, that's number one. Like, was, those, was that pizza any good? I mean, it can't be that bad, right? It's just old meat, right? I mean, it, it might not be that bad if it was, like, taken straight from Walmart to, like, the zoo place to start making a pizza, you know? But, I mean, it's sitting in the back of a truck. They're going through it. They're looking at, like, oh, well, this is good for this tiger. This is good for that. I mean, once they weed it down, like, it's probably been sitting outside for an hour, hour and a half. I mean, it's not DiGiorno, it's Joe Exotic, but, but I'm, I'm not half of that pizza, bro. I'm all set with that. And the other question I have is, why was that dude that was uh, Joe Exotic's first husband, who was basically walking embodiment of meth mouth, you know what I'm saying? Oh, the toothless like, wonder? Yeah. Yeah, why was he insistent on making sure his interview was done without a shirt on the whole time? <laughs> like, you know, why do we have to stare at his tattoos the whole time? Not to offend anybody that's listening from Oklahoma, but I feel like that's the most Oklahoma thing ever. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit there, topless, nipple rings, tattoo at the waistline that says property of Joe Exotic, and and literally let it all hang out. Like, Brandon, my my roommates walked back into the country Thursday, right? And they walk into the apartment like Thursday afternoon. I said, hey, glad you guys are back. Great to see you. Let's sit the fuck down right now and watch Tiger King. You have to watch this right now. All right, we're going to catch you <laughs> up the, with the time. And the whole time, all I did was I watched their reaction watching Tiger King. And they're like, what the fuck did we walk back into? <laughs> yep. Welcome back. Welcome home. 
Real quick on the Tiger King thing, uh, one of my uh, one of my colleagues, Matt, uh, he was on eBay one day, and he found an original campaign poster for what Joe Exotic ran for governor. Guess how much it was? How much? Guess. Uh, let's say so. A campaign poster, piece of fabric, makes maybe twenty bucks to make with with the fucking uh, let's say two thousand dollars. No, 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 no. That was two fifty, and then. He found an unopened Joe Exotic campaign condom. How much do you think that was the bidding started oh, at? Let's go like two hundred dollars as well. Nope. More. Uh five hundred? Yes. Five hundred dollars oh, for an shit. unopened campaign Jimmy hat. I was blown away. And he was saying that's that's not even like the the going rate, like the bidding is still open. So that five hundred could have went to like a thousand dollars real quick within the next forty eight hours. I was blown away that people were paying that much for a Jimmy hat from a guy that's locked up. I I couldn't believe it. God yeah, bless man. America. Well, thank God we had some sort of like um, you know distraction. Uh, you know, as much as part part of the reason why this thing is stressing everybody out is because every single place you turn you see covid-19 every single place whether it's memes online whether it's social media whether it's the news whether it's your family whether it's your workers wherever you turn the fucking covid-19 epidemic news is there so uh, that's part of the reason why this thing is so big is because it's taking people's minds off of it there's no sports right now luckily the nfl draft is going to go on that's going to take people's minds off of things but I, I truly believe if this thing came out like a year ago when this thing wasn't going down it wouldn't be as popular as it is right now because people have nothing else to watch you know mm-hmm. no this is true it'd be interesting to see what would happen if alternate realities like we weren't cooped up in a house so but hey yeah. i love the show i might rewatch it because it was that good brandon i will rewatch it with you again <laughs> well, we'll, watch it. we'll watch it we'll watch it by by what is it, zoom or by skype we'll just by skype yep, yep, we'll, have, we'll have a skype day we'll do we'll do one episode we'll we'll drag it out one episode yeah. a week we'll treat it like tv yep. and uh it'll be a good time I'll, I'll pull a. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Shannon Sharp right now with a with a little cognac, little little Hennessy. So we'll, we'll get that going. A little, little cold one, pop one open. Watch Joe Exotic. Will be a good time. I'm actually drinking some Dunkin' Donuts right now because Starbucks is closed. I'm, I'm I've reverted to drinking piss water. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Talking talking smack about Double D. All right. Well, that's why I'm gonna start calling you the Puma King from here on out. You know what I'm saying? I love it, but I'm not wearing any of those insane outfits. That 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 crap ain't happening. Can, can you imagine how many people, if there is a Halloween this year, can you imagine how many people are going to go at Joe's God, Joe Exotic? Oh, if you lined up ten, at least, at least half, at least half of the people are going to try to go as a character. Of and the him. second most famous costume out of that show is going to be Cal Baskin with her husband on the leash. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, let's actually move on to some football news. Um, this episode is going to be the PFR Pro Football Radio Mock Draft 1.0. Uh, just like last year, we're going to do the first 16 picks. I have pick number one. Um, and then the way this is going to pan out before the draft happens is we got Draft 2.0 coming out, Mock Draft 2.0, which is going to be one week before, well, the Saturday before the NFL draft itself. And then right after the draft happens, we'll have a recap. Is that the schedule we're going to stick with, uh, Mr. Puma? Yeah, yeah, unless uh, something else changes, that's uh, that's what I'm planning on. Okay. All right, so 
I have the number one overall pick. We're gonna alternate picks, so I have one, Puma has two, and so forth. There's so no trades. Overall, yeah. So yeah, keep in mind to everybody listening right now, we didn't decide to go with trades in our mock draft because first of all, there's gonna be plenty of them in the top five, six, the way we project them. And it's just because it becomes too crazy. Uh, for a simple mock draft, we're just not taking that into account. Yep. Um, with the number one overall pick, uh, Cincinnati is on the board. I believe this is a lock. Joe Burrow's quarterback out of LSU um, is going to be the number one overall pick. It makes complete sense. He's a quarterback. He he's the best quarterback in the in the in the draft right now. Cincinnati needs a quarterback to build for the future. He's an Ohio kid. It makes complete sense. He's going to walk in there day one, probably get the job. Probably won't have to compete for it. There'll be some sort of like, you know, fake competition. But I believe Joe Burrows is going to be the number one overall pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. What's your thoughts on that, brother, man? No, I, I like that pick, too. It makes sense. that I mean, Andy Dalton, he's in the last year of a contract. Joe Burrow is is the, the the best quarterback in in this class right now. I mean, it might might have been different if Tua didn't get hurt, but Joe Burrow's had uh, he had the the best college season in, in NCAA history. And I mean, unless they're getting a haul of draft picks, there's no way. If I'm the Bengals, I'm I'm trading out of that. And you put Joe Burrow in that offense with you know uh, Jonah Williams is going to be coming back, the offensive lineman they took in the first round last year. You have Tyler Boyd, your franchise tag, A.J. Green. It's safe to assume that he's going to sign that that tag. He's going to report back. John Ross, when he's healthy, he's one of the fastest people in the league. And Joe Mixon came alive in the last six weeks of the season last year uh, with, with his rushing ability and getting the ball out of the backfield. I think this could be a fun team to watch with Joe Burrow uh, anchoring, uh, anchoring the offense. So great pick by Cincinnati. I have no issues with that at all. I tell you what, I know it's not going to happen, but if I'm the Bengals, I would seriously consider trading away that number one overall pick. Because, A, you're going to get a lot in return for, for building a team for the future. And, B, I truly believe deep down, and this is just my personal feeling, if Tua is healthy, he's the best quarterback in this draft. Um, Joe Burrow is is not where the NFL is going. I keep saying this over and over again. When Tom Brady retires, Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers are the last of that generation of quarterback. Uh, the, the stand in the pocket, throw the ball down the field, that shit is not going to work anymore in the new NFL. Um, Joe Burrow is kind of in that mold as well. Now, he can move a little bit better than Big Ben and Phillip and Tom, but at the end of the day, he's not a Tua or a Cam Newton or a um, you know Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes. He's not in that league of moving around. So I believe it won't happen, but Cincinnati should really look at that um, case scenario to see if they can build uh, with all these draft picks coming in for the number one overall pick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, then again, it's we're also talking about Mike Brown here. I mean, I, I yeah. saw reports that the coaching staff loves Joe Burrow, but mm-hmm. Mike Brown is a Justin Herbert guy. So oh my who God. knows? Oh who my God. knows what could happen? Granted, Mike Brown, the the owner of the Bengals, is the same guy that sat in a room and said to his staff. Why don't we move that defensive end to tight end? That'd be a good move. And nobody said nothing about that. And they did it. <laughs> yep. Who knows? It's Mike Brown. All bets are off. Uh, number All two right. pick is yours, good sir. All right. The Washington Redskins are on the clock. And they take Chase Young, defensive lineman out of Ohio State University. Go by uh, to me. To me, this is a lock. He's the best player in this draft, regardless of position. He's the best prospect in this draft. Uh, in my opinion, kind of compare them a little bit to how Quentin Williams, in my opinion, was the best prospect in the 2019 draft last year. Chase Young, 
athletic freak looks like the predator i think that's his handle on one of his social media platforms is the predator because he's got like the dreadlocks looking like the the alien out of the arnold schwarzenegger movie in the 80s but uh immediate game changer he could have an effect like what nick bosa had on that uh defensive line for the san francisco 49ers you pair uh you pair chase with a ryan kerrigan and a montez sweat coming into his second year uh that being montez sweat uh, and this could be an interesting pass rush in the NFC East. I'm not saying they're going to start, you know, pencil them in to win the division, but they're they're going to be one of those those blue collar teams with the metal hard hat and the metal lunch pail, just going to work on people. And to see him work with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, I think these guys could bring his game up to the next level. I mean, there's really nothing for Chase to work on except for maybe his hand skills and fine-tuning his pass rush technique. But with that being said, like, there's nothing really for him to work on. He's almost the perfect prospect in this draft. Yeah, listen, he is the best player in this draft, bar none. If Cincinnati didn't have a dire need for quarterback – he would probably be going to Cincinnati. Now, Chase, you're correct. He is as perfect of a prospect as they come. I mean, the only thing I can criticize him is um, maybe uh, sometimes his lower strength isn't as strong, isn't as good as his upper strength. Um, but then again, his, uh, his NFL body will come into play in the next two or three years. But listen, the guy on third down, every single time, I'm a big Ohio State fan. I've watched him all year long. I've been, you know, beating his drum. Um, any single time it was third and long, third and seven, third and eight, whatever it was, and he was single coverage, he's going to the quarterback. He's simply going to the quarterback. There was there was no way they were going to block him single, uh, single-handedly, and there's always a running back or a tight end chipping him. So I, 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 that's, that's going to be a great pick for Washington. Yep. All uh, right. Number three, Detroit. Uh, I will be picking Jeff Okuda, the quarterback from Ohio State uh, for the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Lions let go of uh, Darius Slay, um, so they need a cornerback. And I believe Jeff Okuda is the second-best defensive player in this draft. Um, I've watched Ohio State football for a long time, and this is the best cornerback prospect we've ever developed. Um, he gets overshadowed by Chase Young. But um, if people look deeper on that defensive roster, you will see the stellar, the stellar play of Jeff Okuda. The guy is long. He's ranging. He's quick. He does not miss a tackle. I, I've, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen him miss a tackle. He takes the perfect angles. Nobody can fool him. His elite, his elite speed uh, puts him in situations where he's always able to make the play. Now, that being said, this is where I believe the draft really starts. And obviously, in our draft, we're not going to do trades. But Detroit, I believe, is going to be open for business. I do believe you can call Detroit and say, hey, I'll give you X amount of picks. Let me move up here and draft Tua. This is the the number three slot in the draft is going to be where I believe Tua is going to go if we had trades. Um, But uh, what's your thoughts on that, Puma? I I can buy that. I think that's kind of where the draft starts as well, too. Some people had Washington open for business or, hell, even Washington taking Tua as a quarterback. But I think – just because, you know, just based on Washington, real quick, because they traded for Kyle Allen, I think they're out of the quarterback business. So mm-hmm. if they're going to trade out that number two spot, a team like my Dolphins are going to have to mortgage all of their first round draft picks, uh, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Oh, uh, so, I can't wait to see that. If that happens, I just want to see a reaction. Like, I'm gonna be I, don't how, I don't know how we're going to do the draft. I don't know if I'm, we're going to be able to in the same room, but if not, then I just want to zoom with you the whole draft. And I just want to look at your face when Miami makes that stupid-ass move. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want them to trade up. and But I'm with you, though. I think that number three spot's open for business, whether or not it's the Giants or whether or not it's the Chargers. They're in need of a quarterback as well, too. 
Um, there are a couple of teams that could move up to that number three slot. So that's where I think they're going to be open for business. Uh, in regards to the pick, I don't mind the Jeff Okuda pick at all. The other player I had going to Detroit would have been uh, Isaiah Simmons, just because Detroit uh, is so, was so bad at getting at – uh, at the quarterback last year, I think they ranked, you know, bottom tier, either 30th in, in the league in uh, in pressure against the quarterback and in pass rush, where at least with Isaiah Simmons, you could line him up on the edge. He could stand up. He could put his hand in the dirt. He could play linebacker. He could play safety as well, too. So I could see Detroit going for that as well. But the, the Darius Slay trade really kicked the secondary need into hyperdrive. Uh, uh, you're up next, good sir. Yeah, so number four, the New York football giants. They are on the clock, and they take Andrew Thomas, offensive lineman, University of Georgia. Uh, and, and this pick is just straight out of need. Uh, the offensive line has been bad. It's been by, bad for a long time. And now they have to protect the investment that they made in Daniel Jones last year. Uh, Dave Gettleman gets his hog molly. He gets his big body uh, tackle uh, that that can really protect the the franchise quarterback. He's versatile. He can play both tackle positions. I think he can also play guard. Uh, great strength, decent agility. Needs to clean up a little bit in pass protection. Uh, at times he can get caught leaning in the wrong direction. But year one, I think he starts on the right side of the offensive line. And then at the end of this coming season, he'll kick out to the left. And I think the Giants are going to cut uh, Nate Solder. Uh, that that contract, he hasn't lived up to those expectations. I think he's on borrowed time with this pick. And once they release Solder, granted they'll be taking a $20 million cap hit in the following year, I think – you can cement Andrew Thomas as the uh, as the offensive lineman on the left side, protecting uh, Daniel Jones's blind side. Nice, nice. Okay, next up, uh, number five, Miami. I have the Dolphins uh, taking Tua. Um, I believe Tua, the quarterback out of Alabama, is the best uh, quarterback in this draft. Um, now, I have been high on Tua for the longest of times. Um, I do believe if he's healthy, he's going to be a game changer for any NFL team that drafts him. He has potential um, Hall of Famer written all over him. The way I see him, if he's healthy, he's a quicker Russell Wilson, right? Um, the thing with the thing with Tua is um, his accuracy, and, and his accuracy is, uh, I believe, is is unparalleled out of all the quarterbacks coming out of draft this year. Um, the fact that he can go into Alabama, right, and take that starting position away from Jalen Hurts, who won a title down there speaks to his leadership skills. Um, and the fact that you get thrown into a national championship game at halftime where you're down by so many points against a great team, um, and I believe it was Clemson or whatever it was, you're down by 21 points and you come in slinging, uh, it just speaks to your resolve, speaks to your character, speaks to your leadership. So I do believe on the next level, Tua is going to be a great player, and uh, Miami is going to have one hell of a quarterback if they do draft him. Yeah. I assume you're not a big fan of Tua. I'm not a big fan. It's only because, you know, you have like this third-party medical person that came out, uh, I believe yesterday, maybe it was the day before. Yes, we're recording on Saturday right now. Um, and came out and said everything looks fine. I mean, I, that's almost like the equivalent of bringing my car to a third-party mechanic, and I know the car is a piece of trash, but like they kicked the transmission a few times and said, yeah, the transmission's good. Um my, I think that there are so many needs that this team has. I feel like they're going to try. 
if I'm the general manager of the Dolphins, I'm going after the offensive line. It doesn't matter. The, 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 the offensive line talent, I think it's it's great in this draft, but there's not a whole lot of bodies that, you know, you could wait to pick at, say, 16, uh, 17 to get an offensive lineman or, or later on in the draft with the Houston Texans pick. I think they go after uh, offensive linemen or they replace Minka Fitzpatrick by getting Isaiah Simmons at the number five spot. And he could be the, the jack of all trades on that defense. My only issue with Tua is just the medical history. I mean, the, the hip has yep. been he has the hip issue. The, the 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 both ankles have been operated on it's you know am i are we going to draft him and then have him on the injured list you know every on every day on game day like i i don't know i feel like he has to be one of those guys you put in bubble wrap at this point until seen otherwise and not having a pro day is really killing this kid i mean he can put out all of the videos he wants on Twitter, but that's not going to be the same as like the, the coaching staff and the scouting department actually going down there and having hands-on approach and seeing it themselves and doing a private workout. I just think there's too many question marks to be taken to at the number five spot. Okay. Okay. Uh, your turn, good sir. All right. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I had to say it at least five times today, the LA Chargers, because I kept on to say San Diego, uh, but the LA Chargers they take Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. Um, they they reach a bit, and by a bit, I mean I, a lot on this pick. But Jordan Love, I think, has the most talent in this draft. I'm high on Jordan Love myself. Uh, the Chargers find their new franchise quarterback. They find their own version of Mahomes. The longest uh, he's had this comparison. Ever since, uh, you know, going into the college season last year of, you know, he has the arm strength. He has the mobility. Uh, he can make those off-platform throws, a free and easy motion. Um, and I think this is one of those picks where it would be fun to see him with a Austin Eckler, a Mike Williams, a Keenan Allen, uh, two big body wide receivers that you can just throw the ball up to and have them high point it and go, go 50-50 against cornerbacks uh, with. Uh, it would be fun to see him uh, see him in that offense with those guys. Uh, he has a free and easy release. Uh, it, it's not nothing too herky jerky. Uh, good enough speed, good enough agility. In my opinion, though, with this pick, he has to hold the clipboard for a while. Learn under Tyrod Taylor. They're similar athletic styles. I think it would be great for him to sit behind Tyrod for a bit, hold the clipboard, learn the offense, and then. They have their franchise quarterback, and you see Jordan Love go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years. It could be like a, a Brady versus Manning 2.0 down the line when you know he's actually at the reins of the quarterback position for the Chargers. All right, all right, sounds good. Uh, next up, uh, the number seven uh, overall pick, I have the Carolina Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons, right? Um, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker out of Clemson, is going to be the most athletic um, uh, athlete, uh, I'm sorry, the, the most athletic person coming out of this draft, right? Um, the guy has absolute um, amazing speed. Uh, he can line up at linebacker, slot corner, edge rush, even safety positions. Um, his versatility will give defensive coordinators that jack-of-all-trade position where he can kind of line up. His, uh, his elite, uh, athlete uh, athleticism allows him to match up easily against tight ends and running backs, um, and even in some cases, maybe slot wide receivers in the past game. Um, the biggest thing that I think stands out for um, Isaiah Simmons is his sideline-to-sideline speed, and the NFL game compared to the college game is all about speed. 
The one weakness I do have about Isaiah Simmons is the fact that uh, he doesn't always wrap up as a tackle uh, tackler. Um, I was talking about how Jeff Okuda is the best short tackler um, in this draft, but there are cases here and there where Isaiah Simmons will get into position, but he can't seem to wrap up and tackle um, in those regards. So hopefully he can kind of overcome that, but Carolina's going to get one hell of a fucking offense, uh, sorry, defensive player. Yeah, no, I love the pick. And I mean, look at how many people like retired or left the, the defensive side of the ball for Carolina. He's going to be played all over the place come Sunday. So uh, the great pick by, by the, the Panthers. And uh, I think two hot boot going to like this pick as well, too. Uh, could be there the face of the franchise for the next decade plus. Um, number eight, the Arizona Cardinals. They're on the clock and they take Tristan Wirfs, offensive lineman out of Iowa. Uh, to solidify that offensive line. They have to protect Kyler Murray. That dude was sacked almost 50 times last year. I believe it was 48 to be exact. Uh, he's an athletic freak, 4'8", 5", 40 times, 7, 7.5, 7 7.6, 3-cone uh, drill, great strength, great agility. He's versatile. He can play both tackle spots, and he can also play the guard position as well too. Um for the time being, you're probably going to pencil him in on the right side of the line. Uh, DJ Humphreys, uh, he has the left side locked down for the next three years. He just signed a contract extension with the Cardinals. But, I mean, the, these guys, they, they address need. They take Tristan Wirfs. And it, it would be fun to see what Kyler Murray can do behind this offensive line now that they solidified that aspect of things. And you have DeAndre Hopkins uh, anchoring the wide receiver core. It would be it'd be fun offense in the NFC West now. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, next up I have – where are we at? Number eight? Uh, let's see. You are Jacksonville. Number Here nine, are. Jacksonville. I got Derek Brown, defensive lineman out of Auburn. Um this is going to be an interesting pick here, but I think they're going to go defense for, for Jacksonville. Um, my grade for Derek Brown is a 94. Um, I believe he is a great uh, defensive lineman. Obviously, he'll get overshadowed in this draft by um, Simmons and Bo Chase Young. But some of his strengths, man, he regularly collapsed the pocket. Um, he can play anywhere along the defensive line, and he will generally, for the most part, require a double team. Now, one, obviously... If double team somebody, somebody else is a single team or somebody else is free. So that's the strength that he comes to the table with. The weaknesses, uh, I've watched a lot of Auburn this year as well. Um, he needs to get better at pass rushing. Um, and secondly, he could disappear for stretches of, uh, stretches at a time. Um, there'll be a good, uh, I don't know, half an hour where I'm like, where the fuck's Derek Brown at? For being somebody as demanding and physically imposing as he is, he can occasionally kind of shy away from, from making any moves on the field. So... Uh, overall, I think uh, Jackson was going with defense here, and at that point, Derek Brown's going to be their best bet. Yeah, no, I love the pick, and especially with like the the turmoil that they have with uh, Yannick Ngakwe, he wants to he wants out of Jacksonville. They don't really they don't want to trade him unless they're getting two first round picks, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're getting two first rounders. Um, but you pair Becton with uh, with the pick last year, Josh Allen. You stand him up a little bit. It'll be fun to see what that defense can do. And if for some reason they're able to keep Yannick Ngakwe on that team with Becton, uh, not Becton, with um, with your pick, uh, Brown and Ngakwe, and then you have Allen, that would be a fun defense to watch in an in a AFC South that really doesn't have that great of an offensive line squad once you get past the Indianapolis Colts. So he could, they could, they could really wreck the game uh, with the, that defensive line. So I love the pick. Um, 
Number 10, the Cleveland Browns, they are on the clock, and they draft Makai Becton offensive line out of Louisville. Uh, I call him the Dancing Bear. He's 350-plus pounds with 5'1", 40 speed. I, I saw that his his day at the Combine, and when I saw that he ran a 5'1", 40, and he's 350 pounds, uh, I mean, you could ask my fiance Tara. My, my jaw was on the floor. I could not believe that that much – dude could run that fast uh but he's a day one starter for the cleveland browns with him and jack conklin they'll keep baker mayfield from hitting the ground as much as he did last year you'll be able to see the offense come together a little bit more especially under the new regime of kevin stefanski and company uh the guy's got farmer strength he's an absolute savage uh there's a video of him pushing like a truck or like a semi or something like that. He's just a straight up beast. Uh, he'll open up holes for Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt to blast through. So it'll be fun to watch him play on Sunday. Uh, the only thing is he needs to keep his weight in check. Uh, he, he had a, he had an issue of that over his college career. That's what makes him a boom bust prospect. But the, the boom aspect of things could be it, it could be something. I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns haven't had a great offensive lineman uh, since Joe Thomas retired, and he might be able to fill that void. So Listen, I think they address I, I, the need. I love that pick, man. Um, I do believe they're going to go offensive line help here. Um, they did a lot in this free agency to give uh, Baker Mayfield more time. They uh, they obviously signed Austin Hooper, the tight end out of uh, Atlanta, who's a great cast, uh, pass catching tight end, but also can block. Um, on top of that, they signed, uh, I believe it was a Jack Conklin out of Tennessee, right? Yep. Um, best offensive lineman in free agency. And if they go with uh, another offensive lineman in the draft, listen, they have all the pieces in play to protect Baker Mayfield. Now, it's all on Baker Mayfield. Like, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Baker Mayfield, the clock is ticking, man. With your fucking brash attitude and your lack of play last year, the clock is ticking on your time in the NFL. And they've given you all the weapons you need. They even brought in a quarterback backup, uh, I believe by the name of what's his name, Case Keenum, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Stefanski and his crew uh, up in Minnesota actually had the starting quarterback, Case Keenum. But now they brought him as backup for Baker Mayfield. And the writing's on the wall. If you're 2-4 and four, the first six games, you're getting pulled, brother, man. So you better show up, man. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up, I have the New York Jets at number 11. Um, very simple here. They got to provide some sort of offensive help for Sam Darnold. Uh, let's hope Sam Darnold cannot contract mono this year and actually be available. And if he is, I do believe the Jets will draft offensive help in the wide receiver. And I think, in my estimation, the best wide receiver in the draft is C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, my draft uh, grade for him is about 93. Um, his strengths, man, he is pound for pound one of the strongest wide receivers in this draft class. Um, he makes contested aerobatic catches look absolutely easy. And on top of that, he's a yak monster. Any single time he gets the ball, dude, this 10, 15 extra yards on top of that. Um, some of the weaknesses, though, man, and this happens a lot with wide receivers coming out of prof uh, prolific uh, offenses such as uh, Big, Ten off Big 12 offenses. Uh, he didn't face much man-to-man -man coverage. Um, and in the NFL, that's going to be really big, especially that face press man. Um, so we'll see how, how he adjusts to that. And then finally, his top-end speed isn't the best, um, but I believe he has enough to kind of uh, make an impact. Uh, what, this guy, what this guy is all about um, is making sure he gets in and out of his cuts and running his routes as quick as possible. That's where CeeDee Lamb will really shine. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's this draft class's version of DeAndre Hopkins. He's, he's, mm -hmm. fit, 
he's not a burner, but he's fast enough. He runs crisp routes. Uh, like you said, he could be a, a yak machine as well, too. Um, I like the pick here, especially since um, Robbie Anderson walked in free agency. Uh, he took mm-hmm. the, the shorter contract to go down to, to Carolina uh, to be with the Panthers. So I like the pick. I could also see the, Je- uh, the Jets take an offensive lineman here. But uh, CeeDee Lamb, if he's on the board, take him. Uh, I'm going to follow up your pick. The Las Vegas Raiders, they are on the clock at number 12. And it's weird to say Vegas. I, they should be in Oakland. That, 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 it's so weird to have them be in Las Vegas right now, but um, they take Jerry Judy wide receiver out of Alabama uh, Vegas and Gruden. They finally get their true number one receiver. They thought they had that last year with Antonio Brown. They had him on a rental for, <coughs> excuse me, for two, three months tops. He didn't even survive training camp. Uh, no, no shade uh, against Tyrell Williams, but Ty is not a number one guy. Jerry Judy can come in and be that guy. He also has crisp route running, great top end speed. He can play all over the field, but does most of his damage from the slot position. Uh, and I think he's going to be, uh, whether it's Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota's best friend, uh, he could also be a yards after catch machine. Because neither one of those guys in Carr or Mariota are the biggest fans of throwing the ball downfield. So I think you could have them do short routes, line them up all over the place, be a yak machine, and open up some uh, some other throwing opportunities for Darren Waller and Ty Williams as well. So this is uh, another need position for the Raiders, and they have their the face of their franchise for a while too at the wide receiver uh, position. Nice, nice. Uh, next up, San Francisco at the number 13th uh, overall pick. Um, one second, let me pull that up, make sure I have this correct. Um, I actually, you took, a, I actually made a adjustment here. I took Henry Ruggs. Why well, should I have that in the, in the mock draft? Okay, never mind. I'll look at someone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confused here real quick. You took Jerry Judy, right? Yeah. So... 13 San Francisco and I had you you had Henry Ruggs going to San Fran. Did I really? Yeah. My, this is this is live issues as we uh as we uh, troubleshoot real quick. My uh, <laughs> my what you call it uh Google Drive machine went completely down for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are back up and running. Henry Ruggs, yes. Uh, that's my pick for San Francisco. Um obviously Emmanuel Sanders left uh, in free agency. Um, so Jimmy uh, Garoppolo will need somebody to throw to. So the best wide receiver, I believe, left after those two picks um, is going to be Henry Ruggs. Uh, his rating is 91 in my book. Um, he is uh, almost always the fastest person on the field, right? This kid has elite top-end speed. Uh, he, can sh- he can score on short, intermediate, deep routes. So essentially the, the point is get him the ball and he'll make something good happen out of it. He only had one drop ball in 2019. Um, and he is a tough yak runner as well. Uh, some of the weaknesses, I believe, he needs to improve as a route runner. Uh, a lot of the times when wide receivers are deep burners, they don't really work on their um, route running skills just because they can get by on the athleticism. But in the NFL, that's going to catch up to him. Um, so as he gets to that stage in the NFL, he needs to improve that he can, uh, you know, routinely, routinely run great routes and he can also beat man press. Um, a lot of these guys, like I said, in, in college don't face that man press. So that's where the game is one of the loss for wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. No, I like the I like the pick. 
I can also see Henry Ruggs going to Denver as well, too. They, they could be in the market for a wide receiver. But, you know, you pair Ruggs with uh, with Debo Samuels and, and company, that could be a fun offense to watch, especially in, uh, Mike, uh, in Kyle Shanahan's uh, yeah. scheme as well, too. And, uh, this, and this, before we move off this pick, I mean, this is going to be one of the most deepest wide receiver uh, drafts I, I, I can ever remember. I mean, obviously, I've only been watching the NFL for 20 years, but even looking back historically, this is going to be probably one of, if not the best wide receiver draft class um, for the NFL. So people are going to find some great seals even in later picks, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, number 14, Tampa Bay. They take... Jedrick Wills, offensive line, Alabama. Uh, this is strictly based off of their moves in free agency. Uh, the Tampa's going to protect Tom Brady. They're going to shore up that offensive line. Uh, and Wills is one of the top offensive linemen in the SEC, one of the top guys in this class as a whole. Uh, comes from the Nick Saban system. Uh, a lot of New England was based a little bit on, on Saban and Belichick just because of their relationship together. Uh, great speed, great footwork, absolute mauler. Uh, quick hands. The one knock is he's a little bit on the shorter side, but he makes up with that for just how wide of a dude this guy is. And, you know, in this NFC South where you're going to possibly be facing a, an Isaiah Simmons and you're going to be facing a Cam Jordan and, you know, Marshawn Lattimore coming in from secondary to do bl some blitz packages, he, you know, you're going to need to be quick on your feet and agile and mobile and hostile. And, Jedrick Wills fills that need, uh, and the, they have a short window with Tom Brady, and it, this is a plug-and-play guy for me with Wills on that offensive line. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, number 15, the Denver Broncos. I have them taking defensive player here. I have them taking defensive back out of Florida, uh, C.J. Henderson. Um, my draft rating for C.J. is going to be 91. His strengths, man, he has size and speed. Um, typically what NFL uh, teams look for in an elite cornerback. Um, his marrying technique, essentially following wide receivers around, is second to none. Um, they're really good. Um, and he doesn't panic because he has great recovery speed. A lot of times you'll see, uh, you know, the ball's in the air, the wide receiver's making a play, and the cornerback panics. He's not, he doesn't have the speed to get up there, so he'll either foul them or, you know, um, rough them or whatever it is. Um, but he, he never panics because he has great speed. Things to improve on, man. Um, there are issues where... He needs to improve his tackling. Um, he also has issues wrapping up. Um, and then also his play kind of dropped from uh, 2018 to 2019. That's always a concern for me. But um, I do believe he'll be a, an elite cornerback for years to come in the NFL. Yeah. No, I like that pick. Uh, I had either them going defensive back or wide receiver, like I said, a few minutes ago. But this fix is a, an absolute need. They lost Chris Harris. uh what is it? Is he junior or senior? I don't know. When Chris Harris left in free agency, he went to the Chargers, and you could just plug and play uh, uh, Anderson in that uh, defensive backfield, and he could be there for, for a, a long time, especially to see what he could do under Vic Fangio's uh, defensive scheme as well. That would be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, so CJ Henderson's a junior coming out this year. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Um, Number 16, the last pick, we uh, we did the top 16 teams. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, they're on the clock, and they take cornerback Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Uh, I was torn between him and Diggs out of Alabama. I went Gladney because I think not only do, do the Falcons need to address the secondary, it's been historically bad for the last couple of seasons. They just don't have a whole lot of depth there. 
but they're not the most physical unit as well. And Gladney, he plays, he plays bigger than his 5'10 frame. Uh, he's super physical. He he goes 100 from snap to the whistle. Uh, he he can trail. He can be in trail with the wide receiver. He can go toe to toe with these guys. But like I said, the the issue with him is the five foot ten frame. If he's able to get at least a little bit bigger strength wise, that could you know kind of fix some issues. But I mean, you, unless he's going to eat Miracle Grow, he's not going to get bigger than five ten. But he's a great he's a great tackler and he's a stud on blitzes when they drop him down uh, and, to, and to bring him in on a couple of blitz packages. And I think they address a, an immediate need by getting physical on that defensive side of the football. All right, all right. Um, and with that pick, that concludes our Mock Draft 1.0. Um, I believe uh, this is going to be a great draft to watch just because so many things are going to happen. I mean, the draft really is going to start at number three when um, all hell will break loose where everybody's going to be trying to vie up and get up to number three to take Tua. Um, but I think this is going to be one of the most fascinating drafts we've had in the last five or six years, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have a little bit of time. We're just going to play devil's advocate here. Um, we, we all know that the Pats need to address uh, the quarterback situation. I mean, they, they're going to it looks like they're going to roll with Jared Stidham and they're going to have Brian Hoyer uh, as uh, number two out there. But if, say, a, a Justin Herbert or a Jordan Love are still on the board, do you think New England will will trade some of their picks to move up to take their guy? I mean, they have one of the – I think they have, like, either the most or the second most draft picks in the draft this year. Second most after Miami with 14, and then we have 12. Now, I, I do see what people are thinking that could happen, but when's the last time – think about it, Think about this logically. When's the last time – Bill Belichick moved up to draft anybody. Like, I can't remember that. I mean, like, he's not the kind of guy who overreaches or, you know, goes way up to take somebody. If somebody falls to him, if somehow Jordan Love starts tanking and, you know, he's within two or three picks of the Patriots, maybe then uh, Bill Belichick will make a move. But I, I just cannot see Belichick making that much of an investment in a quarterback. Like, he's going to play the game of, well, I'll try to, you know, find somebody in free agency. Maybe it might be Cam Newton or Andal or whoever it is if Jerson doesn't work out. I do believe this year is going to be Jared Stidham and Brian Hoy backing him up. We did release Cody Kessler the other day, um, but I just don't see it, man. I just don't understand how Belichick is going to go against his, you know, his fabric as a coach for what he's done for 30 years and go up and give all these picks for a quarterback. Right. Where, where are they picking? They're, what are they, 20? 23, I believe. 23? Yeah. And some of the mock drafts now have uh, Jordan Love falling down to 23, which I don't understand. The running quarterbacks always happens every year, whether it's good or bad. Um, we've seen it in the past. I mean, it'll happen this year again. Quarterbacks going to be going in the top 10, 15 max, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that just about does it. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? I do not, good sir. Uh, that's about it. Uh, you want to start wrapping it up, good sir? Yeah, so time to plug it up. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram under Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, when he's not in his car doing the Skype thing, you can find him on Twitter at Jay Chima. Uh, you can find this episode and other ones uh, that previously recorded on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Like, subscribe, download, leave a comment. I mean, we're all cooped up in the house for the time being, so why not listen to this episode? Dust off a couple other ones. We'll be doing a mailbag at some point because, I mean, we got nothing else but time on our hands. Uh, so 
feel free to hit us up on social media. We want to tune this podcast uh, towards you guys and mailbag for anything. Top 10 movies of all time. doesn't have to be sports. Whatever you want, we'll answer on the show. You know what's Uh, a good watch, uh, speaking of movies? What? Last night I watched Drive Again with Ryan Gosling. Have you seen that movie? No, it was in theaters when I worked at a movie theater. I'm just not a big – short of the big short or – um, you know, remember the Titans? I'm not a Ryan Gosling guy, mm. but yeah. I, I mean, that, he's not, like a he's like a getaway guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big Ryan Gosling fan either, but it's on Netflix. That's where I watched it last night. Um, but essentially, he's just a, a wheelman, bro. Like he essentially gets paid. He shows up. Somebody does a crime, whether it's murder or bank robbing a bank, and he's the getaway guy. He gets a, you know they get in the back of his car, and he just you know essentially does his thing, and it's just great to watch. You know what I'm saying? It's great action scenes, great. Uh, car chase scene. So that's definitely something I'd recommend, man. Awesome, awesome. I, I think I am gonna start uh, Bosch probably tonight or tomorrow. Your recommendation uh, on Amazon Prime. I think yes. that's uh, kind of been popping up here and there, so I might start that. No, no Bosch. Bosch is where it's at. Uh, and I, I read all the books because uh, it's based on a book series by Michael Connelly, and the show follows pretty closely to what happens in the books. I mean, they kind of adjust it for the times. The books were written in like the 1990s up until today. You're starting a, you know, the show starts in, in modern day times, but they really, they really stay true to what the books did. So I think you're not going to be disappointed. And if other listeners to this watch Bosch, they're going to enjoy it too. All right. Well, that's all I got, man. All right, everybody be safe, be smart, listen, stay inside. The sooner we can get over this, the sooner we'll get sports back. We'll all be back to normalcy. Don't be those jackasses down in Florida trying to hang out for spring break. Do what you're told. We'll get out of this (laughs) on the other side. And otherwise, via con Dios.